It's a great day, isn't it? I, uh, I almost feel like I don't need to preach after the, the, the great message that uh, Kara brought us and David and Dave's prayer, uh, but I'm going to anyways. <laughs> this is the second message, the second part of uh, uh, some reflections and some teaching on giving. Uh, I see there's significantly more people here this week than there were last week, so maybe we should have the bell choir and some baptisms every week. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So as I said last week, the elders did not ask me to preach on this topic because we believe everyone needs to give more. Nor did we schedule this to follow Donna's treasurer's report this morning. We, the leadership, recognize that your generosity is a key part of the work the Lord is doing here. We appreciate that generosity. We give more than a church our size should be able to give. Do we as a church have financial, have financial needs? Yes. Are there ministries and plans that we would love to become engaged in if we had the financial resources to do so? Yes, there are. However, our primary concern is that we all grow together as a community. And while that may touch on money, it involves far more significant issues. We would never want fundraising to get in the way of our growth as a community and your growth as individuals. We are not looking for your money. We're looking for your growth in Christ. And towards that end, we'll talk about giving today. Last week, we looked at some bad, bad reasons to give. It was sort of a house cleaning of the mind, an, an opportunity to identify and clear out misconceptions, misunderstanding, and bad teaching so that we could replace it with good teaching that, that will honor the Lord and help us to mature rather than hold us back. This week, we'll begin looking at giving that pleases the Lord. I hope this will result in the transformation of our minds promised in Romans 12, 1 and 2, so that we better reflect Christ to the world around us and within our relationships with other believers. We have scheduled a discussion of biblical giving in a more interactive setting during the month of June in our summer adult Bible fellowship, which meets at 9.30 each Sunday morning uh, on the first floor. Uh, just a quick review of bad reasons to give. Um, giving to get to heaven is pointless. The scriptures tell us clearly in 1 Peter chapter 1, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tra tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We can't give our way to heaven. We can't give to get wealthy. The key scripture is uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Jesus speaking to us, saying, don't love money. I will never leave you and forsake you. I am enough. 
Another bad reason to give that we identified, although I don't really have a scripture passage that supports it, is giving because you feel guilty or giving because it makes you feel good. If we give so that others see our generosity, we have our reward in this life. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven, because you got your reward. You gave to be seen, you were seen, you got the honor you wanted, transaction finished. And don't give to get God to like you by earning a blessing uh, based on Old Testament theology. A couple key scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, uh, speaking of God who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We already have the blessings. They're already given to us. We don't have to give to earn them. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, the writer of Hebrews says, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The old covenant established with Israel, with its basis in the law, is passing away and is replaced by the new covenant, which we celebrate when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. In Luke 22, verse 20, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Christ's blood sealed the new covenant. So if we look at bad reasons to give, or maybe there's more, there's maybe stuff in, in, in your life, uh, a, a rule of thumb, a rule of thumb. If you're giving to get something in return, you're not giving in the biblical sense. You are investing because your goal is a return. Giving for any of the reasons that we just saw is basically a bad investment because the return on that investment is tied and rooted to this life which will end. It will not yield anything that we can take with us when we pass through the door of death. So today, we're going to talk about good reasons to give. According to the scriptures, there are times when love demands that we give. I've broken them down into three groups uh, to make them easier to organize. The first is as an expression of love within a relationship. If we look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love in word, not, not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Christ demonstrated his love for us by dying for us, completely unworthy as we were, on the cross, enabling us to find forgiveness, to have forgiveness for our sins, and to be welcomed into God's family with all the attendant blessings that we referenced in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Since he loved me enough to meet my greatest need, how can I say I share his love for my brothers and sisters 
and yet ignore their pressing physical needs. We're called to demonstrate Christ's love through our care for our brothers and sisters. The second uh, issue, the uh, second time when giving is, 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 is a, a important, blessed by God and a part of a relation, as, as a part of a relationship is in support of parents. The scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 4 and 8, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. But if, ever, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. When physical needs exist, now understand that, that, that uh, Paul gave this teaching in the context of the churches in, in, in the first part that we mentioned based on 1 John chapter 3, the church was meeting the needs of, in the case under discussion here, widows who were without a means of support and the church was caring for them as sisters in Christ. I'm sure their care extended to other, uh, to other groups of people, but that isn't specifically mentioned. So as Paul taught on that, he said, why is the church, he asked the question, why is the church picking up the burden, picking up the responsibility, strike burden from the record, please, uh, picking up the responsibility for caring for these sisters when they have family who should be the primary source of their support. When physical needs exist within our family, the Lord expects us to make an effort to meet them, and it pleases him when we do so. There's a caution I, I here, and, and we're going to talk about this, this, this question of balance more in the ABF. Uh, there's a caution. Father God does not expect us to go past his provision for us in being a provision for others. There is a great deal of nuance in carrying this responsibility. If you have questions or struggle with this, uh, you can come see me, you can see any of the elders, uh, you can see Pastor Matt as long as you can walk to him and he doesn't have to walk to you. Um, you can see any of the ministry leaders and we, we would be able to help you to find clarity and balance in that issue as the Lord leads. The second category where, where giving is, is necessary is a, a, a part of an expression for love is as a provision for pastors and teachers, those who label to help us grow and mature in Christ. A key passage here is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 through 14. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown, uh, Paul speaking for himself and his, his team, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, right, 
but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple, in temple service, get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living from the gospel. Now, Paul wrote this passage to address a problem in the church in Corinth. After he had visited the church and essentially founded the church, uh, false teachers came in, uh, commonly known as Judaizers, and uh, they sought to distract the people in Corinth away from the teaching of the gospel and a mature walk with Christ to something else. They attacked Paul's credibility as an apostle hoping to discredit the message by discrediting the messenger. One point they raised was that was the fact that Paul did not take any of their money. Paul defends himself, explaining that he had every right to accept their support, but chose not to. He didn't want accepting support to be an obstacle to the gospel. For our purposes today, We're most interested in Paul's teaching that those who preach the gospel are entitled to get their living from the gospel. As believers, our love for those who preach, teach, and shepherd us towards the goal of maturity in Christ should motivate us out of love to financially support them. A brief aside, I wasn't present at the financial update this morning so I'm unaware of any questions that were asked. Uh, I needed that time to worry about preaching today, so that's, that's why I wasn't there. I know in previous budget discussions, we have often fielded the question, why is only 5% of our budget dedicated to ministry? Paul's teaching answers that question. The percentage of our budget dedicated to salaries is reimbursement to those who minister. I believe just about every category in our budget is ministry related with the exception of costs associated with maintaining our building. That's an expenditure we bear since we like the comfort and utility of being inside rather than out under a tree. There's a third third area where uh, the Lord says that our love should motivate us to give, and that is as a means of spreading the gospel to areas where it hasn't been preached. Romans 10, verses 14 and 15, Paul says, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul explains to the Roman church their opportunity to be a part of what the Lord is doing in spreading his gospel to those who have never heard. No doubt thinking of Jesus' last words, go into all the nations and preach the gospel, even to the uttermost part of the world. Paul points out the necessity for us as believers to send from among our own and to provide them for them financially. Summing up then, there are good reasons to give. In fact, these are times when our generosity pleases the Lord. 
Did you notice the absence of you must give commands? Our giving in every case is to be driven by love. Love, the driving force behind our Christian life. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus said the distinguishing mark of the church is the love that we have one for another. When asked to reduce the law to a simple statement, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am sad to say that as I look on um, contemporary events, number one, the view of the church by those outside of it is not that we are an organization that pours out love. It's an organization that is hateful and divisive. Now, you know, we're, we're at somewhat of a disadvantage because, uh, you know, the, the press has a, a bias against us or whatever, and I'm not writing that off, but the fact is that there are many churches that are truly more characterized by their hatred, their criticism, their denouncing of sin than they are by their love, their care for the society around them, and their love of the sinner, even as they speak out against sin. We at Grace Chapel, we love. We're called to love. We recognize that whenever the church is cast in that light, and we are seen as part of that mold. When we are stereotyped into that error, we are called to work all the harder to break that mold, to demonstrate that love, to be building positive relationships in the community around us, to be demonstrating to be demonstrating radical love within our own body for those that fellowship with us. These passages remind us that giving is an expression of love and in these cases, failing to give may be an expression of lack of love helping to meet the physical needs of brothers and sisters in Christ, caring for family members in their time of need, caring for our fa uh, providing financial support for pastors, teachers, and missionaries. Generosity in these areas and others are a reflection of our love for the Lord and are pleasing to him. In this giving, we are joining him in the work that he is doing out of love for his people. We're joining him in what he's doing. And when I think of myself as, as God's child, um, I think of my kids when they were five. I don't really think in terms of God's child that I'm, I'm much past, like, five years old. I mean, I've got the time in, but I'm not sure that I've got the maturity in. Okay. Um, 
I remember one time, um, those of you that don't know, my family and I were missionaries in Haiti. And um, we were down in Haiti. Our, our three kids were, were raised there. And I honestly don't remember. Uh, I'm sure this happened multiple times, but I have, I, I have uh, one very clear memory of um, a time I, I was unloading a truck that was full of uh, 12 foot two by fours. Now, those of you that aren't into two by fours, just think of the 12 foot long board part, okay? And uh, one of my kids, who was about five at the time, wanted to help me to unload the truck. Now, you know, they probably couldn't have lifted one end of the two by four off the ground. But it happened to be a good day when I was a good father, okay? And if those of us that are parents, we realize that there's good days and there's days that are less than good in varying degrees, okay? Well, this was a good day because I didn't say, uh, go play in the dirt or something because you can't help with this, this is too heavy. Instead, I said, okay, look, I'll get them out and then you grab the back end and help me with that. And so I carried the two by four at my waist with the weight all on, on my hand. Not sure I could do that today, but I could do it back then. And, uh, and, and my, my, my child grabbed the back end. And even, even with me holding it down here, they had to kind of reach up, you know, and they're just thrilled to death because they're helping dad. Now, was my burden any lighter? I know that there are some physicists here who say, well, they had, it had to be lighter because, you know, there was an amount of pressure on them. Yes, you're right. But did, did, could I have done the job without them? Yes, I could have. Yes, I could have. But I chose to let them help. And the, 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 one of the most, which is probably in the fog of the past, why I still remember this moment, was... The child went in the house after we unloaded the whole truck and they stuck with me through it all. And they were, I was helping dad. <laughs> I was helping dad. Dad and I unloaded the truck. They were proud and encouraged and our relationship was strengthened because we worked together. There's no doubt in my mind that God can accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish here on earth with zero contribution from us, but that's not how he's chosen to work. He's chosen to give us the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing. Now, sometimes that part is serving on a board Sometimes that part is preparing a meal. Sometimes that part is uh, working in another ministry. Sometimes that part is listening to someone as they pour out their problems and their struggles in life and then pointing them to the scriptures as a solution. Sometimes that is giving. So our giving, should be, our giving should be motivated by love. And in our giving, driven by love, we have the opportunity to participate with Father God in what he is doing. 
strengthening our relationship with him, and at the same time, maturing in our faith. Next week, we'll close out this series by looking into 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 to answer the question, what does it look like to be a giver who pleases the Lord? Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, thank you for letting us be a part of what you're doing. Thank you for pointing out the areas where our love for you can be most impactful, uh, can be best seen, can be best seen in our relationships with others. Help us to be good stewards of all the treasures you have entrusted to us, our knowledge, our life experience, our time, and yes, our money. In our society today, money is how we keep score. Keep us from that evil. Help us to be focused more on pleasing you than we are in seeing the world's approval. Thank you for your word and the guidance it provides, your Holy Spirit, and the fact that you have given us a spirit of, of love and courage, self-discipline. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.